Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews. Today is episode 871. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Let's read the passage. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This is the book of Hebrews. It's a letter or a written sermon to Jewish Christians. They're starting to experience persecution as Christians in the Roman Empire. But the Jews are being tolerated by the Roman Empire. So there's a temptation to fall out of Christianity, fall back into Judaism. And the writer is challenging that temptation, saying that would be jumping from truth to falsehood. That would be jumping from what is perfect to that which is imperfect. He talked about Christ being superior to angels. Throughout the Old Testament, angels brought messages from God. And it was a serious thing to ignore their messages. Since Christ is superior to angels, his message is superior to the angels' messages. So it would be more serious to ignore his message. Christ is superior to Moses. And rejection of Christ is more serious than rejecting Moses. In fact, they're looking to jump out of following Christ to following Moses again. And that would be forfeiting entry into God's rest. The Old Testament idea of God's rest was the promised land. The idea of God's rest still holds is no longer the promised land for the Jews, but living a life in a relationship with God, in eternity with God in heaven. So let's pick it up. Chapter 4, verse 11. Now this is tied very closely to the section we just went over last time where he talked about God's rest. So he says here in verse 11, let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. He includes himself here. He says, let us then make every effort. So this is something for all of us, not just you guys, but all of us. This is a challenge. Everyone who's a follower of Christ, everyone who calls himself a Christian needs to make this effort to enter that rest. And what is that rest? Well, last time we defined it as there's kind of a here and now element to it and a down the road element to it. The here and now is no longer having to depend on your own righteousness, try and earn God's favor, but trusting what Christ has already done. That's God's rest here and now. But then the eternal God's rest is eternity in heaven with God. And, and that is God's rest. So let's make every effort to enter that rest. Well, what do you mean make every effort? Now remember how he views salvation, not as something that happened in the past, but something that really isn't determined until the end. The sign of salvation is perseverance. Those who persevere to the end are those who are saved. And so the answer to this is always perseverance. And the outcome is so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. What he's referring to there is that pattern of disobedience of the faithless 
Israelite generation that died in the wilderness. Well, what was their pattern of disobedience? The bottom line, it was lack of faith. They didn't believe God. They didn't listen to God. They heard the message, but they didn't take it to heart. So the message was there. The message was told again and again and again. Yes, it went in their ears, but it never went into the hearts. They didn't take it to heart. They never trusted God fully. And so that's the pattern of disobedience. It's, you kind of hear the message of God, but it doesn't take root in the heart, and you don't truly trust God. So that's what to avoid. Then verse 12. For the word of God is living and effective, and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Well, he says the word of God. Let's start there. What, what does he mean by the word of God? I think the way they would understand it is there are kind of two flavors to the word of God. There is the written word of God, which for them, remember this is probably in maybe the 60s AD, for them, the word of God would be the Old Testament, the written Old Testament, as far as the written word of God. But they've all had the gospel, the message of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. This would be the spoken word of God. So you have these two aspects of the word of God. Now for us, that spoken word of God, the gospel, the message of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ is the New Testament. So for us, it's the Old Testament and the New Testament, the written word of God. The Bible is word of God for us. It's whatever God has communicated to his people. So that's what he means by the word of God. And he says it's living and effective. So it's kind of personifying the word of God here to, to a certain extent, because he's talked about the living God. Well, the word of the living God itself is living and effective, meaning it will do what it sets out to do. Isaiah said that my word will not return void. It will accomplish that which I set it out to do. And so the word of God is effective. Then he says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Now there's a lot of debate about what exactly should be the translation of the word. He has translated sword here. Some say it should be more knife, surgical instrument. It doesn't really matter. You get the idea here. It's a cutting implement, double-edged cutting implement, and it's sharp. Not just sharp, sharper than anything else. It's the sharpest of sharp. And it penetrates as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Now, people want to get caught up in the physiology of this. Well, how do you separate joints from marrow? It's not the point. Physiology is not the point. But the point here is this thing can cut so deep, so sharp, it can separate anything physically. And, and so that's the idea here. I think, and it's I think there's two phases to this separating physically, joints and marrow, and spiritually, soul and spirit. And he's not given a lesson here in whether there's three parts of people, body, soul, and spirit, whether there's two parts of people. 
he's not talking that. He's, he's just speaking figuratively here, using poetic language. The idea, the bottom line here is the Word of God penetrates, separates. It reveals what is there and opens it up to examination. It probes, it divides, it reveals. It divides and opens up the physical reality and the spiritual reality. And the bottom line, it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I remember understanding a heart is the, the seat of emotions, the seat of being. And we speak that way now. He's, he's got a good heart. Not talking about the cardiovascular structure in the chest. You know what we say, and we say something like that. Oh, he's got a good heart. And it's that same kind of language. But the thoughts and intentions, the, the deepest parts of us are judged by the Word of God. What I think, what I desire, what I want, what I do is all judged by the Word of God. The Word of God reveals the reality of what I do. In verse 13, no creature is hidden from him, meaning nothing is hidden from God. But all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So God sees everything, and he's the one who will judge everything. So what's the basis of that judgment? The word of God. Let's go back to verse 11. Make every effort to enter that rest. So how do we make every effort to enter that rest? He's clearly saying, don't be like the Israelite faithless generation that died in the wilderness. Don't be like them. And what was their issue? They disregarded the word of God. So this, and that's why he immediately jumps into talking about what the word of God is like, what the word of God does, the value of the word of God. So how do we make every effort to enter that rest? We pay attention to God's word. And for us, it's the Bible, the New Testament and the Old Testament. It means read it internalize it. Primarily, trust it. And understand, it is the judge of us. And we read it and internalize it in order for it to change us to more align with God. We allow God's word to be the determining factor as far as what is right, what is valuable, what is desirable. And so all of this is Back to this admonition of don't fail to enter God's rest. And what was the example of that? The faithless generation. They disregarded God's word. And so we enter God's rest by persevering, hanging in there, lasting to the end as a follower of Christ. And here the key to that is the word of God. So we cannot neglect the word of God. The Word of God is living and effective. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It reveals things. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Hebrews.